Welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. I'm one of your hosts, Kurt Flagel. And I'm your other host, Kim Ward. And we have a really awesome interview today with a woman whose real name is Eli Goodenough. And she really is good enough. And you're going to see how good she is as she tells her story. And I'm telling you, you're not going to want to miss this podcast just for her story alone and what God has done with her and through her and for her. So stay tuned and you're going to hear the story of Eli good enough and how God is more than good enough to meet us where we are. Let's do this. Welcome, Eli. Thanks for being on Life Hurts, God Heals with me and Kim. Yeah, I'm always excited to see you. So. Yeah, this is awesome. So you guys know each other. So how did you first meet? Yeah, we went to youth group together mm-hmm. uh, for quite a few years. Yeah. Went to church. Yeah. Went to the same church. Um, so I knew pretty well your entire family. Yeah. yeah. Since they were all there, um, you know. Yeah. You're younger, so we weren't exactly friends then like I knew you and I thought you were cool but we weren't hanging out at the time yeah but not in a bad way it's just one of those things you know a kid younger you're younger than you you don't necessarily hang out yeah. with as much yeah. you know I would say in a nutshell people see each other at church but in reality you were going through stuff and I was going through stuff yeah and nobody really knew each other. Yeah, so that sounds about right. Years later, bumping into you, it's nice to actually get to know you. Yeah. Mm. That sounds about right. Yep. Bumping into each other again, how did you get to know each other? Again. Hmm. Uh, what was that? The School of Supernatural Ministry. The School of Supernatural Ministry, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we did nine months. And t- talk a little bit about that for people unfamiliar with that. Who wants to take it? You want to take it? I'll take it, I guess. Um, It's kind of a school started up at Bethel, and it's been, the model has been taken by lots of other churches. Basically, it's to help people step out um, into the supernatural and to just be spontaneous with the Lord. And so it's a school, but basically it's a school to be spontaneous. And you practice hearing the Lord, prophecy, um, stepping out to where you would be really shy but it gets you used to just mobbing the streets and giving a word to somebody. I think we were just talking on our last podcast about treasure hunts. We mm-hmm. were. That was yep. It. <laughs> Still my least favorite part. <laughs> well, I loved it in theory, but in practice, I am still not the person who enjoys going out and talking to random strangers. Which is so terrible, because she's really good at it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, you know... A double-edged sword on that one. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, that was... We did so many things, you know. Yeah, once again, another way of learning different ways God speaks was a big part of it. Learning who he is, who we really were. Learning to get comfortable with the uncomfortable things. Like, you know, asking God for, like, listening, doing listening prayer, essentially for other people. But in a safer environment, because you're doing it with fellow students first, you know. And essentially, you're told you can't graduate unless you mess up at least three times and get it wrong. So that actually takes a little of the pressure off of it. But then even doing stuff like we led worship together a couple times. Yeah, I was going to say, if if you don't know out there, Kim is an amazing uh, worshiper. 
Mm. And she carries the heart of David and really just it's awesome. Yeah, so that was that was fun. So that was kind of that was kind of a reintroduction to each other was yeah. was through school getting to like do the trip up you know, a couple trips. Yeah. And... Like, whoa, where have we been? It's like, oh right. Oh yeah. Hey. I remember you. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, we actually got to know each other. That was more. like ten lives ago. Yeah. <laughs> How did you get to the healing rooms? After my years of Cayucas, I um my my mom had passed away and I was like strung out as a young teen. And so long story short, I ended up in San Francisco as a street kid and then um, totally strung out on heroin. And then somehow I ended up in LA for a while. So you you went from San Francisco, well, from here Mm -hmm. to San Francisco to LA. Yeah. And and how did you migrate back up here? Well, that's kind of my, it's kind of my whole miracle story. But so I was in LA for 10 years and there I had just totally hit bottom. I was involved in gangs. I uh, was just strung out the whole time. Um, I'd gotten really sick at one point and um, ended up in the hospital because I had shot up some bad drugs and mm. it ended up ripping through my lung and my, my heart. So in the hospital I wake up and they're like, you're not responding to the antibiotics. Like we, You have to do this HIV test. You have to sign this because something's wrong and so I'm like okay so I signed it and then the next time I came to I have all these doctors telling me I'm HIV positive and that I have full-blown AIDS and um it was just surreal and and to think that I mean the life I was living was obvious but I never really I was really just uneducated and really didn't even think I could ever have that could happen to me so I was totally shocked but it just only uh added to that hopelessness and so a few years after that I um when I started having seizures from PTSD I couldn't like keep up this front that I was like this hard chick on the streets and this and that and you know I was gonna rob your mother and you know I'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) but but really like I, I had this facade like I was this hardcore person but inside I was completely shattered and I had this front to keep up. And I didn't even tell my friends that I was HIV positive. I didn't want anyone to know. And so I started having seizures from PTSD. Turns out you can. Um, turns out uh, your body can only stuff so much pain. And at some point, it's going to have to release it. And so after that shattered my facade, I uh, decided to take my own life in my storage unit. So I had a gun and all this stuff. I was in my storage unit and I was so relieved to finally take my life. I had tried a few times and was unsuccessful, but I knew that, um, knew that a gun would do the job. And so I just remember, um, I had this tiny pathetic little stack of goodbye letters to like nobody really, just a few people. And, uh, I told God, I was like, well, at least I'm finally doing something for you. I'm taking a loser off your list and I was really mm. really I actually had peace in that thought and that's how that's how crazy like it can get in hopelessness and the deception it's like in my heart I thought well I'm doing something for God by killing myself and um, right as I was gonna pull the trigger to this day I have no idea how the, how the gun didn't go off I was already squeezing and then this random thought came into my head and it was like wait a second Everyone's going to see you naked, like the morgue. Like, you look like 
a total dirt bag, dude. Like, you're about to die, and this is a really important moment. Look at you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're right. So I was like, I better, like, look better for this. And then as I'm laughing at that thought, the next thought comes in, and it's you should go see your family. Like, you should go, you need to go back and see your family and make sure that you tell them goodbye for them. The least you can do is give them some closure. I was like, well, crap. So I put the gun down, and I ended up back here, a place I never thought I'd go. Um, a place with so many demons and skeletons and just all of it. And uh, I began to, like, go see my family. And my dad's girlfriend saw me and was, like, horrified. And I was probably 89 pounds and just track marks everywhere. So sick. Like, I could barely breathe. My heart was so bad. And... She just began to, like, cry and be like, you can't go back to L.A. Like, you can't go back. And I'm like, look, I really have to go. I have an appointment on Monday. You know, I'm really important and have an appointment. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, um, But seeing her, like, cry about me and stuff, like, that, I just remember that, like, tripped me out. Because I couldn't remember the last time anyone had actually, like, cried for me. And, uh. I didn't know what to do with all that. And so she just kept begging me to like try rehab. And I was like, man. And uh, I said, fine. You know, I thought I'll give, I'll give it 30 days. Like I really feel bad. She's got my back, you know? And um, at one point um, my dad and I were fighting again. And like, just like old times, Mm -hmm. like um, just the F bombs and the, you know, all that. And she turns to him and says, you can go if you want, but she's staying no one's, we've never had her back. And I just went, whoa, yeah, someone did have my back. And mm. so long story short, I said, okay, I'll give this chick 30 days here and um, that will make her feel better. And then thank God I have that gun. And um, we show up at the only rehab that we knew of in um, AG or Grover. And uh, the lady had six open beds and they wouldn't, um, they wouldn't take me because she, they wouldn't even let me in. Because I looked just scary. She, hmm. I scared everyone. And I had, like, my blue bandana and, like, my baggy blue dicky shorts. And I'm, like, like I said, 89 pounds soaking wet and just um, totally dead in the eyes. And so my friend was like, you told me that you said there's another place. Like, I don't know why you won't take her. She just starts crying, like, totally sobbing. We're, like, on the grass. And um, she's like, you told me there's another place. Please give us the number. She can't go back to L.A. And so uh, the lady scribbles this number on like a receipt and, and mm-hmm. chucks it at us. And um, we, we pick it up in the grass and we get in the car. We're driving around and I'm looking at her and she like can she's just overcome with so much sadness. And she's driving around trying to find um, this place. And she um, we pull over because she can't drive. She's crying so hard. And um, we call the number. And I remember thinking, okay, this is the last place. And I just shot up a prayer and I said, look, man, like, if you want me to live, like, you have to do something big because I don't know what to do. And um, we call and they're like, Robo Bank. (laughs) (laughs) And it was the wrong number. So I'm like, wow. And um, the lady says, I think you mean Captive Hearts. And she says, this is so weird. I work with Chaplain Judy's sister, and she just gave me her, their card this morning. Like, I'm looking at their number. It's right by my, my keyboard. 
And we're like, what the? And just the, the car just filled with the presence of God. I didn't know what it was. But I'm like, what is, who is that? What is that? Like, what's happening in my chest? Because my heart just started turning and like, with this tiny little seed of hope. And so we, we got the number. And we're still parked there. And we call and they're like, Captive Hearts. And uh, we find out that there's only one bed and it's taken. And um, they're waiting at the office for the girl. And she hadn't showed up yet. And uh, so, again, my dad's girlfriend starts pleading with them. Please, like, is there a couch? Like, she, I don't know why, but she can't go back to L.A. Like, please. And they go, calm down. Like, where are you? And she's like, I don't know. I just pulled over. And and uh, and we tell her where we're parked. And they say, you're parked in our back parking lot. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. So then I'm like, whoa, can I take that prayer back? Uh, no. And so from then, they took me. The other girl never showed up. Wow. Um, I prayed for that girl, not knowing who she was, for a whole year. And a year later, she showed up at that house. And wow. And we ended up talking about conversations. And she's like, yeah, I was supposed to show up on that day, but I didn't show up. I'm like, dude, I took your bed. I've been praying for you for a year. So anyway. Wow. So long story short, uh, kind of had a lot of demons, dude. And uh, things weren't going so great at the house. Um, at one point, I was like thrown across the room. I would wake up with like just demons like strangling me and like, you know, you work for us. You can't stay here. And, and um, this is at Captain Parts. At Captain Parts, yeah, which is the only faith-based women's rehab in the whole area. Mm. Um, and so... Anyway, it affected the other women in the house, and they were like, we can't, like, stay with Eli. Like, we're scared. Like, all this crazy crap's happening. And um, so they decided to take us to the healing rooms, for me, I guess, but they made it seem like it was a family vacation just to get me in the van. <laughs> and I'm like, where are you taking us? What's going on? You know, all, like, skeptical. And, uh, you know, as soon as we got there, I walked in, and... I'll just never forget it. You know, you walk in and there's just certain things on me that, that couldn't pass through that door. And I immediately felt the presence of God. And I'm like, what is that? Like, what is going on, you know? And um, we go in, we sit in the back. And um, the the pastor, Pastor Rick, I remember I was like super skeptical. And they call it death row when you're sitting in the back. Like, that's always the row that's like skeptical or something. So we're all back there, and he goes to preach, and um, I'm just kind of like, you know, I'm trying to like, already already read his mail, like I know he's just a preacher dude, he's just going to share the same thing, and tell us all to be healed, and I just already like, you know, figured out who he was, and then he goes to speak, and he's, um, he gets hit with emotion, and it gets my attention, because I can, you can feel a shift in the room, and I'm like, whoa. Like, this guy was going to say something, and something else happened. And he becomes so overcome with emotion, and he starts to cry. And he says, man, oh, man, somebody here has been in such a dark place. Mm. And he's just holding his Bible, and he's like, I'm going, dude, this dude's not, like, this guy is not a phony at all. Like, you can feel almost the, the sadness of even God like in that room, like the emotions of God for even just one person. And um, he just starts weeping and he's like, the Lord's telling me like right now, like don't take your life. Like he's healing you right now. Just don't take your life. 
And nobody knew, but in my hands, I was clinching that storage key. Because I always carried it with me, because at that point, that was my only way out, was that hope that, hey, if this doesn't work, I have that. And so he, he keeps like, just like, man, so dark. You've been in such a dark, man, just, just hold on. And I look over and all the girls in the rehab are looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like offended, of course. Like I'm having this amazing moment with God and I'm offended. I'm like, well, you're in rehab too, dude. Like, can't really get lower than that. We're all sitting on death row back here, bro. And, uh, <laughs> so... But I did know he was talking about me. And by the time I went into the room, I truly that word just, it broke off so much hardness. And um, I was ready to say any prayer. If you had told me to run around the block and stand on my head, I I probably would have done it. Because I knew that God was like totally real and he was speaking to me. And so I just like fully accepted Jesus in my life. I fully surrendered. I I just knew I'd do nothing. And um and on my little list of prayers, all I wrote down was anxiety. I didn't know if I was supposed to make, like, live or not. And um, it'd be cool if I didn't go to prison for some pending charges. Like, that's what I wrote on my prayer list. Um, and then 60 days later, went to the doctor, and they started tripping out. My heart was, it sounded perfect. Um, he was like, quiet, quiet to everyone. He shut all the doors. There was, like, construction. And he's just listening to my heart, like, tripping out. And I'm thinking something's wrong. I'm like, what? You know? And he's like, your your valves sound clear and your murmur's gone. Because I had two shredded valves. And um, he's like, I don't, I don't understand this. And I was like, well, I went to the healing rooms. I mean, it might be God, man. And, um, <laughs> and so he sent me to go get an echocardiogram. And I, to this day, I have a perfect heart. Like, no drugs, no nothing. Um, went and got labs done, and nine tests later, I'm completely HIV-free. Wow. I got totally healed. Um, to kind of make it cooler is, to this day, my um, blood is loaded with antibodies. So they can't even say I never had it in my blood because I have so many antibodies, it almost trips a positive antibody test. Wow. So it's pretty cool. And that's wow. kind of how I got to the healing rooms. <laughs> <laughs> couple things... Well, first of all, you have children now. Yeah, yeah. God healed all that, too. I've got two amazing little miracles, Kennedy and Logan. Three and two. Wow. (laughs) It's a good idea. Have toddlers together. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Our kids are two years apart, so. Yeah. When you said God healed all of that, like when I said, you have kids, and you said, yeah. well, God healed all that too. What is all that? I was never going to have kids. I was never supposed to have kids. Um, I was, like, abused a lot as a kid. And and then on through being a street kid and stuff, a lot of prostitution, and just destroyed my body, and I was never supposed to have kids. So when, you know, when earlier you were talking about all this pain that you were, you know, running from... And you were talking about demons and that you were running from. And I thought you were talking metaphorically speaking. Oh, oh, no, no, I really was then. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, oh. And then you were talking about demons throwing across the room. I'm like, okay, she wasn't talking metaphorical. She was... Both. Okay. No. <laughs> but the pain that you were running from was was abuse as a kid. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of that. Just all, family? The, all the secrets. Um, friends and family. Wow. Like, both. Um, all the secrets, yeah, 
all of that, just having to, like I said, put on a happy face yeah. and just dying on the inside. And then I ended up having anorexia as a kid because it was the only thing I could control. So I just stopped eating. And then I ended up in the hospital a bunch of times. And I liked it there because I was like safe from other people and myself. Finally, I got some breakthrough in that area and I, I went home and three days later, my mom died in her sleep. And I had felt like, so not only was there all that crap, but then I was haunted by regret. Like, why did I waste so much time freaking caring about how I ate? Like, why did I waste so much time in a mental ward? Like, and we had just had breakthrough as a family. Like, we had finally, like, did these classes and therapy, and we were all excited about this new chapter, and I had three days. But to this day, I'm so grateful for that three days because it didn't have to end the way it was. It, wow. We had that hope. How old were you when that happened? 16. That sounds about right, I think. Yeah. Was that year, the year before Kim passed? It's a, right, it was... The or year, was it the same year? It's the same year. So that would have been your junior year, so you might have even been 17. And then my best friend died the yeah. same year. Is that Kelly Fraga's sister? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we had Kelly on a while yeah. ago. Yeah. And she told the story of her sister, Kim. Yeah. Kim was awesome. Mm-hmm. She was like the one kid that didn't see me as a bad kid. Mm. Like, she, she was just my best friend, so... When you say she didn't see you as a bad kid, how did she see you? How did you feel she saw you? I felt like she just knew me. You know, she knew a lot of things that nobody else knew. And a lot of people's parents didn't want their kids to play with me because I was already on drugs and strung out. I've been to rehab, like just problems. The the drunk at youth group and just all of it, getting kicked out. And, and this is how you can tell that people are unaware of each other's stories because I was like, Eli's the coolest. Eli's awesome. I want to be friends with her. Yeah. Like, yeah. I had no idea any of that was going on. Yeah. So um, Kim was, I don't know, we were just like kindred souls. She was maybe like, <clears throat> maybe because she was my first best friend. Mm-hmm. Like I'd never really gotten close, so I didn't really have anything to measure that with, but... We were just so tight, and, like, I had saw her that night before, and that next day she passed away, so I was, like, the last friend to hang out with her that night, and um, we skated off. We both skateboarded everywhere, so, Mm. yeah, so then her and then my mom and just all of it, so, yeah, I just never, I swore I'd never come back to this place Mm. because I had to leave that part of me there. You stay, like, whoever you used to be, don't come with me because I can't handle the pain. So I'm just going to kill you, and I'm going to reinvent myself somewhere else, if that makes any sense. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm thinking, like, and then you walk into the healing rooms years later, and some of what you took on and to replace, mm-hmm. that couldn't come in, you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I walked out, took a, the first breath I could ever remember taking, it sounds like a movie, but really that just asking for no anxiety. Like, yeah, we struggle with anxiety. We're human. But to take that first breath and to step out and see the darkness just breathe back away from me and the trees and the lights and the sky and the stars, like it was, I mean, reborn. Like, mm. really. <laughs> it's crazy. You mentioned the presence of God, experiencing the presence of God in the car. And then there was one other moment you said that. That word. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. So I think there are times where we talk about God's presence. And 
we just assume people know what we're talking right. about. In reality, I think there's less people, even church people, even people who follow Jesus, who have not experienced that mm. and don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. You know? So describe that. Like when you say you felt the presence of God, what did that feel like to you? That's a good question. Well, physically, I would say um, almost like you can feel like, not like a blanket, that's kind of cliche, but almost like a tingling warmth. Like when we were praying, uh, Kim said the word safe. The spirit within me feels awakened and it you just end up just knowing that there's another presence with you. Like knowing that God, God is there. Everything you think you would usually do, it all comes to a halt because... I don't know, when you when it's the presence of God, you just, you know it. How did you feel emotionally in that moment? What were you sensing? Well, it was a little scary, but it was a little awesome. It was a lot awesome, a lot scary, a lot unknown, but knowing that God was talking to me, that God knew my name, that I had just shot up a prayer, you gotta let me know what I'm doing, dude, and to know he shot you know, something right back to me. Like, all of that was just mind-blowing. Like, to this day, it's kept me... It's kept me on track. It's kept me sane. Mm. Like, I mean, we're all human, and... You know, I can say, oh, I've been healed of AIDS, but it doesn't mean that there hasn't been a time I wanted to run and put another dirty needle in my vein. Like, I'm that... That able to fall. Yeah. But God has just kept me. Mm. Like, and... So it's those little miracle moments that that keep me safe and keep me sane and like, you know, on track. When you had that experience in the car, maybe not at the moment, maybe at the moment, did it feel familiar like this is how Kim saw me? Oh yeah. That's a good that's a good uh point. Absolutely. Like almost like if somebody warm was coming up from behind and just giving you like a hug. It did feel that very familiar, mm. or or even my mom. I mean, it was super safe. I mean, it was awesome. Kim, yep. Do you have anything? Well, I was just saying because you know, obviously, I've been around for a little bit more of your story. But when you were talking about miracles, I was thinking there's also what happened to Bethel. Oh, and there was that. Yeah, yeah, that would be really cool to hear about. Oh, well, I had a plate. Well, I have a plate in my arm, mm, but fine. a crazy plate. Which is the moral of this story is don't talk to strangers. I traumatized a junior high class uh, last time I told the story. No, it's all good. some little kids like, how'd you get that scar? And I was like, let me tell you, kids, don't talk to strangers. And this is why. <laughs> One dark, gloomy night. No, <laughs> when I was done, they're like, <laughs> oh, yeah. if only this was a video recording I so know, they could right? see that face. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But anyway, so I tried this rehab once, and um, they were like crazy. They were like, sit out in the beating sun of the desert in Cabazon and read and write the Bible, and here's beans and rice for Jesus Christ, like every meal. I had just come from like Skid Row, so I'm like, why did I get on this bus, right? And like, you want, want healing? Come get a free meal. And they drive us from Skid Row all the way to this crazy place in the middle of nowhere. I began to plan my escape. I had two faithful friends that I was going to burn, and I took all our resources and ditched them in the, in the middle of the night. 
So I jump the fence and I'm running through through the uh, middle of nowhere um, in the desert all the way to this one main road um, in Cabazon. It's like one road and there's no lights. So um, I finally get to the road and I finally get to a liquor store and I'm so relieved because I'm like, all I want is like vodka <laughs> in the name of Jesus. Like, <laughs> thank, there is a God because the first place I come is a liquor store. And um, I'm counting my change and all I have is like, I'm a dollar short on getting like a pint. I only have change. And I'm like, oh, why? And so I'm at the payphone trying to get my friend to pick me up. And um, she's like, oh my, Eli, we thought you were dead. And I was like, no, dude, I've been in this this place. Um, and so all of a sudden I hear someone behind me and he says, hey, are you 21? I said, yeah. And I turn around and this is dude. And he says, yeah, my name's, my name's Jesus, but really his name was Jesus, but Jesus, it was the bad Jesus. And so he's like, if you get me a bottle of vodka, I'll buy you one too. And then I thought, there really is a God. Because how would he know I just wanted a bottle of vodka? So he buys me a fifth. He gets himself a fifth. And we're sitting in his truck. And I'm so excited. Led Zeppelin's on the radio. I'm getting my buzz on. I'm like forgetting that place. I'm like, whew. And um, somehow we're talking about some stupid new truck of his, which was all BS. He's like, you want to come see this new truck? And it's got spinners and all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, sure. My friend's not going to be here for a while. And so we take off driving. And uh, all of a sudden, we've passed every single trailer, house, everything, and we're just driving in the desert toward this water tower in the middle of nowhere. And you can feel the vibe when someone's about to kill you. There's like a whole different, talk about the presence of God in the one car, there's like just this spirit of like murder that came into the car. Mm. And I knew, I'm like, oh man, like I'm sitting there looking at him and he's just super quiet, just driving. I'm like, this dude's going to kill me, dude. He's going to kill me. I'm going to have to run for my life again. And so, like, what a hassle. So anyway, dude, we, we, we end up stopping. We're in the sand. He's like, we're not even on roads anymore. Like, it's that legit. And uh, he just attacks me. We start fighting. We're, like, probably fighting for probably an hour. Like, fighting for my life. Finally, somehow, I don't even know how, um, I don't know. I just, like, my body lunged, and I was able to jump into the back seat. I don't know to this day how I made it to the back seat, but it was like in one weird jump in the back seat. And that gives me a quick second. He goes to lunge at me over the back seat and I jump again into the, the it was like an explorer. So the trunk or whatever that is. And I literally land on a chainsaw, a shovel, oh. duct tape. Oh like, my gosh. Muddy boots. Like it was like, seriously, like a horror movie. Exactly what you would think. I'm like, holy crap. So I jump out of the car, I start running. He gets stuck in the sand. So I'm like, ha, huh, screw you. You know, I'm saying other words. But I'm just like flipping him off like I made it. And I have to run again. All the way back into town. And I finally get back to the same stupid main road. It takes me probably an hour and a half. I finally get to the main road. I'm like, oh my gosh, my friend's probably gone now. My ride came and left. Like, what am I going to do? And I'm like walking down this road. And finally I see a car. And I'm like, help, help. But it was him, and he ran me over. Oh, my gosh. So that's how I got the scar on my arm. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so he just ran you over and kept going? Yeah. Yeah, I think he thought I was dead. And then I woke up a week later in, like, the Palm Springs Hospital. 
And then, okay, so then we fast forward fast to forward. healing rooms and amazing experiences to Bethel. Yes. So because of my wonderful life and taking care of myself and all those wonderful things junkies do, I had let my arm, I had taken the cast off so I could skateboard better. And um, it, it jarred the uh, plate. Mm. And so by the time I had gotten into the healing rooms, the plate, when I would move my hand, would stick out. I mean, I still have like fat, like right here from stretching out, but the plate, do you remember the plate? Yeah. Yeah. I did actually see that once before. Yeah. It would like just stick out of my arm. I'd be like, yeah, it's just a couple loose screws. I had some screws up in here. Like, I'm like, it's cool. I'll, I'll be all right. People would be like, mm. but, um, so we went to Bethel and it was a cool experience. Um, I would say I wasn't like all blown away like you see all the music videos and just you know disclaimer if you think everybody in the room is holier than you it's not true like everybody's just like trying to find God like trying to like experience God and so when I went there I noticed that I just thought I felt like kind of dry I'm like this is this is cool but I'm just not f feeling you God like I thought I would here and um it looks so great on the music videos um so I was kind of like pessimistic sitting in my seat and it was just a, it was a conference on healing and uh randy clark's like hey if anyone has metal in their body like stand up and all my friends are all dude she who stand up and i'm like guys i don't i don't want to stand up right now and um so they made me stand up and i was like so annoyed and i'm like okay great great god you know and then he's like wave your arms so i'm like okay wave my arms like doing this thing and all of a sudden, and it's on YouTube, some kids behind me, like just the way God works, like everyone would think I'm like having this great God experience, but I'm actually like feel super dry, kind of over it, kind of wishing I had, I could feel God more and I'm feeling like I can't feel him. I stand up, but for some reason the Lord highlighted me and all these people around um, and above on the whatever bleachers or whatever, for some reason all these people were looking at me. And um, someone was videoing it, and the plate just went, shoot, back in my arm. And, like, everyone was like, oh, I'm like, oh, crap, you know. And so then we ended up talking with Randy Clark on the thing and explaining and all that. It was really cool. And so for me, the plate in the arm, it's another God-crazy story. But what I saw it do for people around me, that, like, my friend that I brought... She didn't even know if God was real. And she took off running, like, out of the building and ran back in. She's like, dude, I just saw that. Like, I just saw that. So it was cool mm. just to see God use that for other people. They're like, hey, want to see a miracle? Like, <laughs> so. Speaking of doing it for other people, maybe you've heard this before. Your mess becomes your message. What do you think is the message God has given to you? through experiencing him in the middle of your mess that other people who are still in their mess need to hear? Um, kind of like when we're in prayer, I think, I mean, it's not like, I don't think it's like a brand new message, but for me, really, like how I live my life is I'm just completely authentic. My scars, my wounds, like my worst stories, my, my weaknesses, like that is always where I've seen God show up the most. As soon as I try to be somebody else, you can, I can almost feel his presence just dry up and mm. I can't find it. Or as soon as I start to try to earn grace or I make it like a, a tally, like it's so easy to get stuck into works instead of 
grace and again his just presence just feels like it just dries up because I'm striving I think just that ever-flowing uh, relationship with God um, he just loves our authenticity he loves us in our brokenness he just he's a real person yeah. a deity or per, you being? know a being that that wants real affection when I first got healed like People were having me speak all over the place, but I still had really no uh, foundation. And so I think I instantly thought I had to like live up to this crazy healing. And, and that actually almost took me out. I couldn't be this perfect person that got healed of AIDS. Like I was struggling. Like I was, I wanted to use, like I was still feeling trauma would creep back up. And finally, when I got a hold of that and was just myself, like God, you know, he just, he loves that. He breathes and shines through every single weakness. And so I would say what I really try to tell people is, you know, the things you think that are your worst are actually where God's going to show up the greatest. And it's somebody's story that they need to hear. And um, not to be somebody else. You can't earn grace. God's not mad. Like all that. Like he's not keeping score of what you did today or what you did yesterday. That's so kindergarten mm. it's it's not about really our stories at all it's about god in our stories mm. and when people just start to realize that like you know our wrongs ended two thousand years ago and we're white as snow like we can thank god for his forgiveness and stuff but the but the truth is like we've already been forgiven so just be yourself don't be somebody else if you think people are more Christian than you, don't worry about it. Like, God loves us the way we are. And and really pray for those people because they're probably suffocating, but they look so great on the outside. Mm. It's funny, like, when we were praying before we started, just the word honesty and vulnerability kept coming up. So in the, that spirit, I want to share one of my dream journal entries uh, what I'm not going to do, I'm not going to show you the dream because I, I'm pretty much never going to share that dream with anyone, not even my wife, because it was absolutely horrendous. It was like, it. I woke up from the dream feeling like filthy, mm -hmm. yeah. filthy. And, and I'm like, God, I don't even know how to even process this dream. Yeah. And that's what I'm, I started re writing down is like, I woke up from this dream feeling so filthy, and I feel the same as I write it all down. What is this all about, God? Hmm. I want to be open to seeing and hearing you beyond the filth. Is that from you? If so, how? What is going on here? What is this all about? Um, we were reading Revelation in our hmm. house church, or somebody was reading from sharing their story of what God had spoken to them, and they were reading Revelation chapter 2, and they said the word hidden manna, which, for those who don't know, manna was the name that the Israelites gave to uh, the food that God provided every morning for them that just appeared like the dew on the ground every morning for the 40 years they were wandering in the wilderness. So manna, you know, basically is the food or the provision, whatever we need that God provides. And I never thought about the word hidden, mm -hmm. like I will give you the hidden manna, that Jesus says, if you overcome, I'll give you the hidden manna. I was like... The hidden provision that God provides, the hidden provision is there beyond our circumstances. 
if we'll just take our eyes off of our circumstances and seek after God. Ask Him, where are you in this moment? Look for God, focus on God rather than our circumstances. So here I'm in this terrible dream that I'm like waking up filthy. I'm like, okay, where's the hidden manna? Where are you beyond this? And here, and this is what comes back to what you're talking about, honesty, and why we can be honest because of what Jesus did. When I'm writing down a dream, I'm asking God, reveal the title. Mm-hmm. And the title becomes a filter, mm-hmm. like to see the dream through. Yeah. And the word, the song Scandal of Grace came up. Mm. Wow. And so I, I wrote down, I sense words flowing in me from you as a message to me as I sit and ponder the idea of scandal of grace as a possibility for the title of today's dream. And I think these words I'm receiving are from you, but will you confirm it? And this is what I wrote down, like God was speaking directly to me. And I think this really relates to what you're saying. I think this like connects and affirms that. Mm. And this is from God to me saying, um, I'm uniquely acquainted with all your sin, for I took it all on my shoulders at the cross. That's not just true in a general metaphorical sense. That's true in the most gritty, gruesome, detailed way. I know every rebellious, distrustful, and distasteful, even disgusting attitude, thought, and pattern of behavior you've ever possessed and ever will. I've known them all, and not just yours, but those of everyone across all of human history. I carried them all, and I killed them all. I forgave them all. So what are you worried about? (laughs) Let me in. What do you think I'll be surprised or shocked by? What aspect of of you do you think I will run from? There is nothing shocking to me in you. I've already waded into the depths of that mire, and I carried it all for you. It's done. It was finished a long time ago. You're safe now, so come to me. I'll have more filthy dreams if that's the answer I get. <laughs> Please, sir, may I have another? No, Thank you, sir. Oh boy. No, but, right, you know, leave. I don't want another dream like that. But I think yeah. that's what you're sharing with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, last question, maybe. Uh, <laughs> Uh-oh. Maybe. <laughs> when you're talking about the times you're not honest, because this is really what it comes down to, right? It comes down to, like, if God really knows everything about mm-hmm. us, what are, what. What can't we be honest about? Yeah. You know, it's like, what do we really have to defend against, you know, from him? What is there, you know, what do we have to hold back? What is there to defend? There's nothing. And the, and the thing is, when we're honest and vulnerable, I mean, isn't that who God was on the cross? Isn't that who Jesus portrayed himself to be and was through all of the time he was on earth? Yeah. Displaying who God is, that he's always honest and vulnerable with us. And so, of course, when we're honest and vulnerable with him, the flowing is there, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about last in the last episode where we said, if God meets us where we are and you don't know where you are emotionally, mm-hmm. mentally, how are you going to know where God's meeting you? Like his self-awareness is, Ooh, is so important. Yeah. And, and so self-awareness and acknowledging that to God and, you know, to, to know we're safe and to let him in the honesty. This is who God is to us. He's honest. He, oh, he, no, he holds nothing back. So you said if, if you don't get there in that place of honesty with God and yourself, 
if you're not there, it, the spirit, you, you, that sense of the the experience of God's spirit. It's not that He goes away, but right. your experience and connectedness to Him dries up. So I, I'm just curious, going back to that moment where you're sitting in this room full of people at Bethel, right before you're healed. Like again, the experience God was there, obviously, <laughs> yeah. but you felt dry. What do you think? You know, looking back, if you can remember that. What do you, why do you think you were feeling dry? Probably just having this expectation. But I felt like I was one person in public, and then I was like this, like if anyone knew who I really was, uh. like if, if they knew like the things I'd done, when you feel like you have all this secret, the secret past, you know, how am I ever going to make my past right? How can I really be healed and I can't go back? Because like I said, I was in a gang, all kinds of things happened. And then when you get a new heart and you experience your past through a new heart, it's devastating. Like you have to almost process everything again because that's not you anymore. So I was haunted by a lot of things I'd done. So there was kind of like what I'm hearing, and please correct me if I'm off, what I'm hearing was there was there was this place of disconnect because and not experiencing God's presence because you began to be afraid again. Of, of revealing who you really were. And so what did that moment where God broke through all that and healed physically do for the internal reality? of? It was just God kicking me in the butt again and reminding me not to take everything so seriously. Yeah. And like he just, to me, he just did this miracle. Like, hey, I see you down there. Like yeah. for me, like, and people on the outside would be like, oh, wow, like how did that feel? Like, oh my gosh, like, People were running up to me. They were like, pray for me. You just had a miracle. And I was like praying for people. They were like getting slain in the spirit. Mm. Like it was just trippy for me. And then, but okay. So here's how to tie it all in. All this crazy stuff is going on all around me, but it doesn't seem like I'm internally feeling the presence of God. Like, like I would like, like, I'm really like, I want to feel God all the way. Like if I don't feel him, I start freaking out and thinking some I've done something wrong and this mm. was back then so then the next day at the conference um the prayer teams are going around and everybody's just getting slain in the spirit and so again like I feel that I feel like there's all kinds of other spirits in there and while this is all going on I'm looking around and I'm and I'm feeling and seeing like spirits of of religion a uh, performance I'm seeing people, and I, I'm not judging that, but I'm seeing people falling in the spirit because they felt like they had to. Mm. And so I'm not kidding. Out of my whole row, all around me, there I am, the only one standing up. And again, I could feel um, people looking, like, like literally like looking at me from the ground, like, well, her arm just got healed. Um, and that was when a guy named Tom Jones was speaking. And um, I'm sitting there like, God, I'm not... I'm not going to fake it. Like, I want you. If I get a counterfeit and I just drop like everybody else seems like is doing, what if I miss you? Like, I'm not going to do it. Like, I might be pessimistic and having a bad week. And then you healed my arm and put me on the stage in front of all these people when I was already kind of over it. I'm like, I'm not. I'm going to wait for you. And then Tom Jones, the, the main speaker, came all the way down, walked all the way up to me. and And just like a gentleman, like, instead of like everybody hearing he just whispered in my ear and he said don't trip 
Like I see thousands and thousands of little ducklings following you. You're called to stand. You're called to stand when everything else seems shaken. Like just stand, hold your head up. And he walked off and I thought, Oh, and that was the breakthrough I needed. I needed to know that mm. exactly where I was was exactly what, where I was, where I was supposed to be, you know. Mm. And that was what I needed. And from then on, I'm like, I, it's just about you and me, God. It's not what people are doing around me. It's not this guy seems holier than me. This guy's doing all this amazing stuff. Like, I'm less than that. It's, it's such a lie. Mm. Tripping on any of it. Yeah, and I think the day before, there's a connecting point between those two things. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is looking at the exterior, but I think what God was in the healing, and that it was amazing physical healing, right? Yeah. But I think what God was saying was like, Eli, I know exactly how you're feeling internally, mm -hmm. and I'm still going to do this for you because I'm meeting you, <laughs> yeah. you know, like where you are. And I think that's what came to be like clear yeah. the next day. Mm -hmm. Like, this is the point. Yeah. Just stay on, like, let's just be honest with me where you are. I'm, yeah. And I'm right there with you. Yeah. You know? I really think this is just a great conversation about honesty mm -hmm. wherever we are. <laughs> so, would you mind, Eli, just praying um, to close this out for people who are listening who maybe just need to be honest with God in themselves in a way they haven't been lately? I don't know. Yeah, you just pray how you feel led to pray. Yeah, so Lord, uh, thank you for this time, God. I thank you for every single person that that's listening to this right now, Father. And you know them, you see them, you know their name, you know the hairs on their head, God. And that often can just sound like words or even just words written in a book, depending on where we're at, Father. But I pray right now that you would touch each person in your own individual way right now, wherever they are. If it's if it's an addict, Lord, that you would just hold them and let them know that, that they can get clean, that, that you see them, that they're mm. not dirty or filthy, that you love them. Um, if... If it's just somebody sitting in their car right now, not knowing which way to drive, just feeling hopeless, not knowing where to go, God, would you fill that car with your presence? Um, even just the overwhelmed mom at home or, or the dad that just feels like everything in the world is on his shoulders. Um, God, would you let them know you see them right now and, and you are the God of honesty. You're the God in our brokenness. Um, you, yeah, you turn our mess into the message, God, but truly from our ashes, Father, you, you pull out the beauty and I just pray for each person right now that, that you would show them, God, who they are in you, uh, that they would be filled with, with a fresh breath of, of new life, uh, that you would fill their whole body right now with your, your presence and your purpose and, and that you are real. And that you are God and you know their name. Um, if there's anyone struggling with uh, trauma, I, I just feel that right now. Um, somebody's listening to this. Or their trauma has just wreaked havoc on your life. And and we, we come against that right now in Jesus' name. We stand in the gap for you. 
we you're not alone in this we stand in the gap for you and we take authority right now over that in the name of Jesus and I speak freedom to your mind I speak wholeness to your mind right now freedom to your body freedom from your past um, I, I'll tell you right now your story is gonna break chains off other mm. people to stay strong because your story the enemy's after that and that's why it's distorted and why it's come it's kind of come it the wrong way at you it's been uh, twisted but truly your voice is in that story and and it's gonna break chains off people that need your story uh, so keep your head up we're praying for you mm. And anybody else out there, um, Lord, just touch them in a special way. Um, help them feel you. Help them just even just open their hands and lay their hands on, on their knees and just breathe. Just breathe and enjoy your presence. Break through religion. Break through uh, performance. Break through all of it, God. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good times. Yeah. <laughs> I really felt that. I, I really saw somebody just sitting in their like car or something, like just like head on the steering wheel, like I don't even know where I'm going. Kind of was mm. be cool to. I guess in heaven we'll find out. Huh? Yeah. We get to all share stories and <laughs> like, oh you, oh my gosh, I prayed for you once and <laughs> just like the girl with the bed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was crazy. Yep. Well, Anzame. 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 That's a cool name. Mm-hmm. Not as not as cool as you like good enough, but it's close. Oh, see, yeah, missed that one. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good enough. It's good That's enough. all right. It's good right. I'm working on a teen devotional. It's called Good Enough for God, and it's for um, teen girls that are going through body stuff all of it so mm. well plus you've got uh the broken cup my kids book Your kids yeah. book how do people find that um well it's on facebook right now it's gonna be i got published by tbn and i'm gonna um have like a little commercial and all this crazy stuff but better than that with the book for each book sold one gets given away and so i've partnered with like eight orphanages around the world and so we're directly like helping children being rescued from sex trafficking. Wow. Um, I like every day on my phone, I'm getting notifications about another child they saved or, um, it's like, that's my passion is in the dirt, take away all this crap we call comfort. And let me just hold these babies and tell them they're valuable. Facebook's kind of a general place. Oh, There's well, I of... have it on my, my page. So, so it's called The Broken Cup. The Broken Cup, did it just find you Eli Good Enough? Is yeah. that on Facebook? Yeah, Eli Rose Good Enough. We're friends. Yeah. Eli yeah. Rose Good Enough yeah. on Facebook, and you'll find, you can find the details there. Yeah. And then I have my nonprofit page, so that's Redemption Street, so you can find me on there too. Redemption, RedemptionStreet.com? Redemption Street. Yeah. On okay. Facebook. On Facebook. Oh, yeah, on or RedemptionStreet.org. I have a oh, website. RedemptionStreet.org. I'm still updating all that, so. But it's good to yeah. have that information out there yeah. so yeah. people can yeah. find it, you know. Because yeah. really, like, it's it's not about book sales because every dime I get is going right back into the kingdom. Like, literally to 
I mean, I can't stress it enough, like, actually into the hands of children that are being saved. Mm. And, like, um, and the book's getting, I have, like, eight different languages. So the last one I just got was Hindi. Wow. Um, and then Urdu, I think that's how yep. you say it. Yep. Urdu. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've um, been there twice. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, man, I can't, I can't wait to go there. Um, Creole, yeah. uh, Spanish, um, Portuguese. Uh, Chinese. So the Lord showed me a, um, I didn't think it at the time. I'm thinking no way. Um, but he showed me like a flash of my book and it was in Mandarin Chinese and then it went and it sucked away just as quick as it was there. And the Lord said, that's a a hidden ebook. Like your, your book's going to be an encrypted ebook that's going to be smuggled into China. Hidden manna. Oh, hey, there it is right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's cool. I'm really excited about that. I'm just, I can't wait to actually see kids get this book. Wow. Because I think if I had had this when I was a kid, that's how I write. It's like, man, if only I had this at that mm. age, I would, no matter how crappy life went, that little seed that I that I mattered to God would always be there, you know? Mm. Yeah, we just lift that up that... Right now, that book would be in the hands of every kid that needs it, and that you would just make straight paths, God, clear away every obstacle of the enemy. We pray that families and uh, every language that that book comes out, and that you would increase the languages, uh, the number of languages that that book is translated into. And God, we pray that this is uh, you just clear out every opposition to this. And we pray for protection for Eli and her husband and her kids because we know what the enemy does. He he seeks out people like a roaring lion seeking who he will devour. And we just pray, God, that you will protect them, mind, body, and spirit and use them greatly. And we thank you that even when they feel vulnerable and it feels like things are uh, where the enemy is winning, God, we thank you in those moments. You're going to show them where you are, and you're going to show them your best, and they're going to see hidden manna in those places. God, thank you that uh, you are always open to us, and you're in all of who you are, giving yourself away to us, and you, uh, your honesty and vulnerability is our healing, hmm. and we praise you. We praise you for that. And we praise you for the healing to come through Eli's story and through this book and how her mess is her message and more than she'll ever know. We just pray for stories to filter back to her so she can be encouraged to keep going. You know what's too much and when we get big egos because we've had too much, but we ask for just enough to keep her going. And, uh, and, and we just pray this in your authority, Jesus, that you've given to us and the power that you've given to us through the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Something that really stuck out to me tonight was, and you right before you said it, I was like, I'm going to tell him. But just, just how, like God, how vulnerable God is. Mm. Like, I don't know, that just really highlighted <laughs> in a fresh way. It's like, yeah, we've seen reckless love and all this stuff, but I <laughs> <laughs> get it. We get it. But we don't really get it. It's like, man, God is so vulnerable and he opens himself up to be so 
just his heart smashed over and over again. And like, yeah, I just, that really, that's just a fresh, God breathed on that for me. I'm really going to just resonate in that this week and just seek Mm. him out in that area. I just think that's so good how vulnerable Mm. God is. It's Um, a superpower. Yeah. When we are in a place, you know, where we're in an argument and we Mm de-escalate by being vulnerable, I mean, it works. Yeah. Because that's who God is to us. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I've shared this over and over again, but God gave me a vision uh, like a, almost two years ago, a year and a half ago, where I was reading John 13, where Jesus mm-hmm. was washing the disciples' feet, and I saw mm-hmm. Jesus at my feet. Oh, wow. Wash my feet. And he looked me in the eyes. I just remember the eyes of kindness mm-hmm. and humor. Yeah. And then he, without saying a word, he reached out his hand to me. He was like, come, like, come down here with me. Come wow. to this place of lo- being low. Yeah. And I took his hand, and, and he took me down to this low place of serving others and found he was at my feet again, hmm. washing my feet again. Wow. He's like, Kurt, you can never get lower than me. <laughs> I'm not above you, condemning you. Like yeah. the enemy t- tries to portray me, I'm always at your feet. Hmm. I'm in the low place of vulnerability. and I mean, he stripped off all of his clothes, his outer clothes, to wash their feet, you know. And it was like that, that precursor, that just physical, prophetic word of what was about to happen on the cross. Mm-hmm. Of naked serving, you know, in the filthy place, you yeah. know. The nasty, dirty feet, you know? And so just, yeah, like you're saying that, that vulnerability keeps coming back is like God showing me, you don't have to, you don't have to be good enough. You just have to be honest about where you are and what you're feeling. Yeah. And I'll meet you there because I'm already there. Yeah. And you'll actually meet me there because you'll find me where you have been hiding from yourself and me. And that vulnerability is, it is his superpower, it's ours. But I really am good enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, uh, Eli, thanks again for being on the show. It's it's meant a lot to me and Kim, and your story is incredible. Thank you so much for sharing it with us. Thank you so much for having me, and it's been fun. And thank you for what you do and faithfully showing up and doing this every Mm. week. And maybe we'll have you, you. Ag- again and on the show again, and uh, we'll do like a comedy hour. Hey. Life for Scott Hill's comedy hour. <laughs> Coming soon to a podcast near you. Uh, <laughs> Until then, you are God's beloved, so be loved. <laughs>